it'll always be in the back of your mind. What if I could have, or I should have do it, do it. My mother um, used to tell us all the time that nothing beats a failure, but a try. You're listening to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast with leadership speaker and consultant, Nicole Greer. Welcome to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. My name is Nicole Greer and they call me the Vibrant Coach and I am here today with Chandra Fletcher. Chandra Fletcher is originally from Washington, D.C. and Chandra is married to Robert and they live in Lancaster, South Carolina. Chandra graduated from Johnson C. Smith University and started a career in corporate America for 12 years during which she received her MBA. So she is one smart cookie, everybody. And Chandra always has had an affinity for human services. That means she has a big, giant heart. And she began working as a social worker for DSS in Child Protective Services a total of 10 years. Chandra decided to return to school and earned an MA in clinical mental health counseling, primarily to assist families at the root of their problem. Chandra is now a licensed mental health therapist, and she practices in North Carolina and South Carolina in a private practice. But Chandra also, I don't know how she has time for all this. Chandra also works for a local MCO. And Chandra is the executive director of Lynn's Haven of Hope, a 501-3C recognized nonprofit dedicated to bringing transitional housing to the Lancaster, South Carolina area and surrounding counties. So I am absolutely delighted to have this servant, uh, the servant heart lady on the show, as well as a great leader uh, in so many ways. Chandra, thank you so much for being on the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you here today. So Chandra, you know, she can't stop going to school, obviously, which is an excellent leadership trait. All leaders, all leaders have to be learning constantly, right? Um, but Absolutely. not only that, not only does she work in private practice, but she is running a nonprofit. So for those of you who listen to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast today, we have a leader in nonprofit. So I'm absolutely delighted to have you here. So Chandra, would you tell me please a little bit about what your definition of leadership is? What's your definition of leadership? So my definition really is just to be able to effectively influence a group of people to, you know, towards a common goal. Like with Lynn's Haven, that was really something that started just based on a need from a client that came to me when I was, um, at DSS in South Carolina. And um, that whole situation was um, enough to really get me thinking about what can we do in this area to be of assistance to people in a situation like this. And his was very unique in that he was um, co-parenting with another person and they had an infant daughter And the mom brought the baby to him, like in the middle of the night and was like, here, I can't do this anymore. You take her, here's her stuff. And his mom, he was living with his mom at the time. And he was, his mother said, "Um, yeah, I don't think she's yours. So you can't keep her here. And if you decide to keep her, then you can't live here. So overnight, this person became a single dad and, and challenged with homelessness. So talking to my colleagues and friends and just, you know, sharing about 
that experience, of course, not disclosing any information, um, any specific information, but just giving a scenario about um, what happened and how we have nothing in our community that can assist this person or any other people that um, just need transitional assistance. And being able to influence them to, to say, yeah, I do see the need and um, I want to help. That is such an amazing uh, story that you've just shared, because here's what I believe about leadership, Chandra, is that a leader sees something that's wrong, a missing piece of a puzzle and says, uh, I wonder why I noticed this. I wonder why I this has been placed kind of in my pathway uh, and then recognizing that, you know, this might be actually be like a little calling on your life. Right. So to figure this out, (laughs) I would agree with that. And. What's so crazy is when I was an undergrad, when I was going to Johnson C. Smith so many years ago, I told my dad that I wanted to major in social work. And he said, no, absolutely not. Um, I'm not paying for that. And I just said, okay. So I majored in business and I did what I was thought that I was supposed to do, the right thing to do, you know, and I see how my life has continued to just really come back full circle. Like I still wound up doing, I'm not a social worker, I'm a licensed clinical therapist now, but still in the same area of work, still doing the same kind of things. So yeah, I do believe that those callings are are huge. <laughs> yeah. And like, don't try to run from it because it will just right, keep presenting yeah. itself. That's <laughs> right. That's right. right. Yeah. And so um, I think that's fantastic that you just pursued this after all these times. And so, you know, isn't it, you know, I've always said this too, Chandra, it's like, um, if everybody would figure out like their purpose, their personal mission statement, um, their, their calling, we would probably fix a lot of the bad things that are in the world. And look, here you are fixing bad things in the world and helping people get out of bad spots, right? So will you tell us, a little bit about um, about the organization where you serve as the executive director and like how you lead that process. Kind of let us see inside uh, your leadership style inside the organization. Yeah, absolutely. So Lynn's Haven of Hope, again, is a 5C3 organization. And our mission is to bring transitional housing to the Lancaster County and surrounding areas. Because again, there is no um, agency that provides that type of assistance for families. And what I understood after working for DSS was that there are many people who meet the definition of homelessness, but aren't necessarily living on the street. And I don't think, you know, when I think about my entire journey, um, I don't think that I would have realized that without having the, the job with DSS, with social services, and being in people's homes to see that there are sometimes four and five families living in grandma's house. You know, grandma has some of her children and their children and their children's children all living in the same house. And by definition, that's homelessness. It's grandma's house and not everyone else's. So definitely understanding that need. And Lynn Haven wants to address that need and not just address it, but also offer case management, which was another reason why I went back to school um, and doing social work, I felt that I was, wasn't able to really have one, the time, um, because everything is on time constraints. 
with those, um, with reports, DSS reports and um, cases, all of those things are time limited most often. But when you work with a family and helping them to understand what the root problems are and how that those things can be addressed, because a lot of them are in trauma. A lot of substance abuse stems from being traumatized um, or needs not being met and just understanding what those things are. So Lens Haven um, is additionally offering those case management services for uh, mental health counseling therapy. And if we're, if I'm not able to provide that for them, then certainly connecting with the other agencies in the area to get people where they need to be and what they need while they are transitioning. You know, it's really difficult to focus on those things that that you would like to do when you're trying to focus on survival. So just making sure that families have the, that transitional space to where they are safe and they have the opportunity to, you know, be able to pay a certain set amount and not worrying about so many things that are really out of their control while they are finding that additional permanent, permanent place to live, um, while they are securing therapeutic services or substance abuse services, whatever those services are. So making sure that we have that, that resource for families is what Lynn's Haven is about. All right. The way that I typically lead, and I don't even think about it as leading, um, which is... Oh, oh, but I want you to start today, okay? <laughs> I will. I definitely will. But yeah, because we need strong leaders. So we got to go, yeah. oh, I'm the leader. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I realize that I am, but it's it's not often that I actually say, okay, I'm the leader, you know, and I know that I am. Yeah, because you um, are a humble, sweet woman who is a servant to others. Like don't don't miss everybody, don't miss that like the servant leader leadership example we have today is Chandra. It's so beautiful. All right, go ahead. She's a leader, but she's taking she, but she sees herself as a caretaker or uh, you know, the person that helps everybody. So really beautiful. Like I kind of look yeah, you know, as far as my organization, I kind of look at it as um, I'm the motivating force behind everything. And um, what's beautiful is that my board um, really supports me in, in whatever, whatever area that um, I deem is necessary that we focus on. So what Lynn's Haven has, has started doing was reaching out to the community because until we actually have a facility and we are working towards obtaining the finances uh, so that we can either take over an old um, place and make it new and make it, you know, ours, or that we're in a position to where we can build a place, whatever that looks like. We're just believing that that is, is going to come to pass sooner than later. But definitely, we are reaching out to the, to the different aspects of the community. So last year was our first event ever. And that was the duffel bag run. During my time with DSS, I was a foster care social worker for a period of time. And what would disturb me so much was when children would come into foster care and they would have to carry their things in a garbage bag or um, like a Walmart bag or something. And there's always a stigma, already a stigma attached to being a foster child, but also having your things in this garbage bag just 
I don't know, it was just something about it that really, really bothered me. So um, our first event was a duffel bag run. My husband and I are huge Mustang enthusiasts, and we actually belong to a Mustang club. And I asked them to participate in this, you know, event. And we were able to raise funds to distribute to the DSS in Lancaster County and um, Union County in North Carolina via Mustang style. So it was like a parade. We paraded to the agencies. <laughs> and um, it was really nice. Unfortunately, because of COVID, the children weren't allowed to be there. So the plan was to do the trunk or treat so that they could get candy and get the duffel bags. And then each duffel bag, we had a hygiene kit that included a toothbrush, toothpaste, um, bar soap, lotion, a comb. And we also had people that donated pajamas and socks and underwear. So the idea was that if a child came into foster care, you know, in the middle of the night, because it can happen anytime, that they could have a duffel bag, they could have their pajamas and clean underwear, everything that they need for, you know, as restful night of sleep that they could possibly get in that situation. But just setting them up so that they're not, you know, having to carry their things in a garbage bag, you know, that was just something that really, really bothered me. But, um, and that was our way of reaching out to that population, to the youth in the community. This year, we took a step up, well, not necessarily up, but took a, an additional step and reached out to the women. And we had a Women's Empowerment Day. And um, the purpose of the Empowerment Day was to really empower women who are typically the foundations of their homes. And with this whole COVID thing that has gone on for over, over a year now, um, women specifically have had to step up because a lot of us are working from home and we've become teachers in addition to mom and wife and nurses and everything else that that is needed in the household in addition to being confined and possibly isolated. So this event was really to empower the women in the home um, and just letting them know that, you know, yes, you're strong and you're wonderful and you're all of these things, but hey, let's take a look at the things that are really important for you to continue. And that's your mental health. What are you doing to make sure that your mental health is intact? What about your physical health? Are you doing what you're supposed to do to make sure that you are physically sound? You know, most of the time we make sure that our children see the doctor on the regular schedules, our husbands, boyfriends, moms, dads, whoever, that everybody is being taken care of. But a lot of times we are, um, are not doing that for ourselves. Um, spiritual health, whatever that looks like for you. Are you doing what you need to do spiritually and financial health? You know, what does that look like for us? Um, and that there was a specialist there. So every speaker that we had for this event was empowering women in each of these different ways. And the last speaker that we had um, was a spoken word artist. And she wrapped everything in a nice, neat little bow with the beautiful words that I can't even try to begin to tell you because it was just an amazing event. Um, there was lunch included. We had vendors that had amazing items for purchase. And that was our first fundraising event that we did. So it was really a twofold and it, it was 
huge and it was a such a beautiful energy in the room. Here we are. It's October 20. I'm sorry, October. It's September 24th. And I'm still receiving phone calls and text messages and emails from people that attended this event, you know, just thanking us for even putting this together. So this will be a signature event moving forward, um, fundraising event for us. And we are reaching out to the next population, which is the men. And we are planning that Men's Empowerment Day for them. And that is in planning the planning stage now. So we're looking around Father's Day, maybe the weekend before the weekend after Father's Day, to plan that for our, our men, just to you know, empower the community. Lynn Taven wants to embrace our community to not only let them know that we're here to help, but we're also a support. Yeah. And so I just want to tell all the listeners right now, uh, I, I realize Chandra is talking about the work that she's doing uh, and it's in a nonprofit, but I want to connect the dots for everybody between what she's doing and what you could be doing at your business. Because don't don't forget, Chandra has her MBA. OK, so I am thinking that she understands the business side of it, too. And so uh, what I heard her say just now, and I just want to make sure we don't miss things, um, is that she she's working on her vision. Right. She's trying to figure out, do I get an old place, fix it up? Do we do a new thing? So she is uh, as a leader, it's so important to continually look at the future and what vision am I putting together? And then I think the other thing that you said, Chandra, that was so important is you talked about um, you can fix the problems on the surface or you can get to the root cause. And Absolutely. so I just wanted to I just wanted to share a little something that I think is so important for people to understand when Chandra was talking about how she was inside people's homes and it was grandma's home and there was people, you know, her son was living there and her son's children, her son's children's children were all living there um, that that this, this is a homeless situation. And um, I will tell you, in my own lifetime, when I was a young girl, about nine, 10 years old, um, my father and I lived with all my different aunts. We just kept moving around to all my different aunts. And um, I never considered myself homeless until mm-hmm. I went to an event in Davidson, North Carolina, and they used this phrase, the housed homeless Mm-hmm. And it blew my ever loving mind because, like, oh my goodness, I was the housed homeless. Um, right. So you know, this is a this is a systemic issue um, that has been going on ever since somebody my age. I mean, this was the seventies and early eighties yeah. when when I was the housed homeless. So uh, as a leader, we can't put a Band-Aid on things, we got to really go in and look for whatever that root cause is. And that's the work that Chandra's doing. And then uh, the other thing that I think is so important that Chandra shared is she said, um, we are having events to empower people. And I would say, even in your for-profit business, there are there is probably an opportunity for you to have some kind of event to empower people so that they can get back to work. You know, Chandra, I'm not sure you're, I'm sure you're not asleep to this. Uh, people were having a hard time getting people back into the office, back going again. Um, and so having these empowering events, I think is absolutely huge. And, uh, and then a final thing Chandra shared, I don't, cause she's just like rattling this stuff off is that, um, you know, you got to work on your mental, physical, 
financial and spiritual health. And, you know, I call those the energies. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, there it is again, somebody else telling you that you got to get your your act together around, you know, what's going on in your head, what's going on in your body, what's going on in your your spirit. And then what's going on in your checkbook is really, really important stuff. So I just, you know, she's just as like smooth as smooth as silk telling this stuff, but I want to make sure everybody listening understands what she's saying. Okay. That is absolutely fantastic. Okay. Okay, so don't miss this. Chandra is running this nonprofit. So tell me what you think, Chandra, are the most important skills of a successful leader? And is there anything special you have to have to run a nonprofit versus a for-profit? I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Um, so I think the skills that are really important for any leader is one, to be an effective communicator, being able to communicate your vision your mission statement, being able to communicate that, not just with your own board or the people in your organization, but to be able to express that to those outside of the organization, those people that you want to influence to be a support to you, to your organization, to your cause, to whatever that thing is for you. So I think that is huge as far as being a leader. Um, definitely being a problem solver and resolving conflict because that's always going to come up. There's always going to be some type of barrier. And, you know, how do we address these barriers? And is it really a barrier or is it just a challenge that we have? And we just have to figure out how to go around it. I think being creative. Sometimes we have to get really, really creative with some of the things that we do to get the end results that we need. Certainly being able to delegate. That was one of the things that I had to do. You know, I thought early on, oh, don't worry about it. I can do it. And then realize, you know, I can't do all of these things on my own. So I definitely learned quickly how to delegate different things. I think what additionally, what is really necessary is being empathetic, showing empathy to others. And um, don't get that twisted with sympathy. Being empathetic is, you know, understanding what they're feeling, not feeling sorry for them, but understanding. And once you understand what those issues are, then that helps you with the other piece of that critical thinking, that problem solving to figure out what what can we do to address this issue? What can we do to address these problems? So. I think all of those things are really important in addition to being teachable, like no one person knows everything. So definitely being open-minded and teachable to other ideas, being able to hear what, um, what other people say. And when I said being an effective communicator, I, I just want to say not just speaking, but also listening It is really important to listen to what people are saying, you know, And listening is different from hearing, because if you're not hearing impaired, then you can hear. But listening to what the person is actually saying and understanding what they're saying is hugely important. Yeah, I I, I totally, totally agree. In fact, I am teaching classes to, to folks inside organizations about how to listen. 
because I think everybody's hearing, but they're not listening. So, uh, and and I, I don't want to, I want to back up just a minute. She said this great phrase. I'm going to steal it from you shamelessly, Chandra. I hope you don't mind. Uh, but she said, she said, uh, empathy is really important, but don't get that twisted with sympathy, feeling sorry for people. I thought that was a great line. Okay. So I, I, I and I think that's huge because, um, you know, if you're a real, if you're a leader, there's probably a part of you that has this kind of like drive, this energy, you know, like you just, you just, you know, have a little bit of takeover in you. And sometimes you'll have a little uh, bias towards like thinking they should just pull themselves up by their bootstraps and get on with things, you know, like, why don't people move on with their lives? Um, and, and I think that you got to really watch that, that mental model because, you probably don't understand really all the obstacles this person is up against. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, pulling back from your a type personality and having that empathy to slow down, because when you keep saying you got to be open, you got to be teachable and empathetic. It's kind of like between you and the person in front of you, you've got to gain what's called a shared understanding. Mm -hmm. And I think if you listen you can get a shared understanding. Like we're both on the same page. Uh, right. what, what are your thoughts about that phrase, shared understanding? Yeah, my thoughts, I, I absolutely agree that it has to be the shared understanding. Um, you know, and I think that definitely goes back to effectively communicating so that you understand what it is. You know, that makes me think back to when I was working for DSS and going into homes sometimes because of the reports that we received for child abuse and neglect. And although going in, understanding that there is an issue in this home, and a lot of times the families understood that there were issues, but there were also reasons for these issues. You know, the electric is off because mom gets paid, you know, weekly. And for whatever reason, you know, she had to pay an extra bill and something got turned off. And, and here we are. And this got reported by the neighbor next door. And there's a whole cycle. Um, there are situations where there really wasn't abuse and neglect in the family because it isn't a crime to be poverty stricken, you know. And sometimes people get that very confused that poverty is, is not neglect. So being able to um, understand and and get on the same page so that we are clear on what these definitions are and and what the problems actually are. You know, there may be some situations that can be addressed, but just because the family is not sleeping on, you know, 600 count sheets and they're sleeping on pallets on the floor, that that poverty issue is not necessarily a neglect issue. And helping people understand, you know, the differences. So yes, being on the same page is certainly shared. Shared understanding is, is huge. It absolutely is huge. Yeah. And so let me just go through the list of all the things that Chandra shared because you know these. This is just like a little checklist for all you guys listening, all you gals listening. Is that um, you know number one? She's like you got to be able to communicate. And what she said was to all stakeholders, not just to your employees per se or the clients that you have, uh, but be able to communicate to everybody what your organization is up to, which she's doing so beautifully on this uh, particular podcast. Uh, but also be a problem solver and creative. Now, when you said be a problem solver and be creative, 
Um, I loved your story about the, uh, you know, enlisting your uh, Mustang group to help you get these kids uh, something decent to put their things in so that they could have a little self-esteem. I'm sure when they got their little duffel bag, they were just like flipped out, excited about getting so, so simple. You know, I could check your closets, people. I bet you you have 12 duffel bags and these kids have right so um so that's a really good example of a time that you got creative do you have another story that you might share about how you've gotten creative i mean because don't miss this everybody this was a calling on chandra's life and she just started (laughs) yeah we just got started just got started um one other thing that i'm thinking about that really stands in my head besides the duffel bag run because And I think everything was just really related to those things that really pulled at me. I am also, I try to volunteer as much as I can, even outside of our organization, but definitely connecting with some of the other organizations. But I'm also a part of the Order of the Eastern Star, and we, our purpose is service. So we were doing a community service event, and um, I met a person who was, and she was female, and I noticed that she was very tearful when she presented to the community event. And it was just where the organization was giving away, we were assisting an organization that was giving away all kinds of items, clothing, hygiene kits, and just a lot of different, you know, different things. And um, when she came over, she was asking about specific size and shoes. So we went and found her size to make sure that she could take these shoes with her. And all the, all the while, I, I just continued to notice that she was kind of weeping the entire time that she was there. And, you know, my background in me tells me, go talk to her as a social worker. You know, my social work training says, go talk to her. And let's, let's connect some dots. Let's figure out what's going on. Let's let's just figure out, you know, what the issues are. And um, but the therapist in me says that that might not be OK because I don't want to invade her space. If she wants help, she'll reach out. And there there's literally a struggle within. So before I lose sight of her. I hand her my card and I said, you know, if you have some things that you really need to talk about or some issues that um, need to be addressed, I can listen. She was like, okay. So I went back and I was talking to my board and I said, you know, I think that we need to have some type of cards that we are able to give out to people who may not be in a mental place to say, I need your help but maybe at a later time they will, you know, and just be able to hand those out. If you ever, you know, get to a point to where you want to talk about what's going on, or if you are in need of something that we may be able to assist you with, then definitely reach out to us. And here's the, here's a way that you can do that. So that's another quick story I, I can think of where I felt like that was. I love it. Yeah. I love- and one thing that I am hearing in there, so when, when I teach listening, uh, I tell people you you listen with like three things. You think you, well, actually two ears, two eyeballs, and one body. So what is that? Five? Check my math, Chandra. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
when you're listening to somebody, you're listening with your ears to hear the words, but then uh, notice, notice, notice in this story that Chandra's telling, she's listening with her eyes. So she says this woman was tearful throughout the entire day. Um, so she is watching, you know, the nonverbals of this human being who is obviously um, got some sadness or some angst or something going on inside of her. So she listens with her eyeballs. And then uh, the other part that you can listen with everybody is listen with your body. Now that might sound weird. Don't go weird on me, everybody. What I'm saying is, is that, um, you know, it between two humans, if, if Chandra and I were lucky enough to be in the same room right now, there would be like an energy between us, right? It would be in the air, Right. And it would have a certain feeling to it. And I, I know you've felt that before. You've been in the room and you're like, this doesn't feel right. Or this feels this feels good. And that is something you can listen to. Right. So you can have and they call that a somatic response. Right. So I, I think what she's telling you is a really great story that illustrates more listening. Uh, but then the other thing I heard in Chandra's story was um, you've got a network. You know, she says we were I, I also volunteer outside my organization, which seems mind boggling to me because <laughs> did you hear all the things that she's doing? Hello. Um, but she's but she's going out and connecting with other nonprofits. And one thing I do know that I think is important for all the nonprofit uh, leaders that are listening in. But then for those of you who are for profit. Oftentimes, we don't think about collaborating with other organizations that might do something similar or something that might integrate. Um, uh, Chandra, when I was going to Queens to get my um, master's in organization development, my MSOD, uh, I was working with a gal who, who was a leader of a nonprofit. And um, one of her papers that she wrote was about how there's so many duplicate services Yes. Because all these nonprofits are doing the same thing instead of coming together right. to make sure we have a good system. Does that sound familiar to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I look at it as recreating the wheel. And rather than doing that, how can we do this together? You know, because because, as I said, initially, we wanted to provide case management services and do all of these things. And the thought process was, you know, let's back up and let's just focus primarily on the transitional housing piece and seeing and, and making those assessments. Let's assess and find out what is it that they need. And then we can determine are those things that we can actually do in-house or can we connect with the other organizations in the community and have this person go here for substance abuse counseling and have this person go here for financial counseling and whatever those things are. So absolutely, absolutely using those resources. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that, that, that we say in the for-profit world is we say there are riches in the niches. Um, and I think that's probably true in the nonprofit world as well, is that like if I just focus on this one root problem and I go deep, 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 I might just have a shot at you know, really make a, a dent in the universe instead of trying to be all things to all people. So, um, yeah. so I think that's excellent as well. All right. So let me ask you this. Um, what are the biggest challenges uh, that you think leaders need to face today? Like really get your head around the fact that this is a real challenge that we're dealing with. What, what do leaders need to wake up to? Um, I, I think that leaders have to wake up to the fact that 
there are, you know, a multitude of issues, of problems, of things that need to be addressed and reasons why these things haven't been addressed. There are diversity issues. There are inclusion issues. There are a lot of of things that have been overlooked and in some cases determined not even important. You know, and I think that it is really, really important that leaders make sure that they are not um, just dismissing or being very dismissive of people, of um, ideas, of concerns. I think that that is really, really important. Yeah, I do too. And uh, one of the things that um, that I have like kind of been on my soapbox about for a long time uh, is the fact that, you know, why do you hire all these different people? Why, why do you hire all these humans to come inside right. your And, um, you know, my thing is, is probably the most important piece of diversity to me is like you can't, you hired them for their genius, Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so like, Absolutely. you gotta, you gotta make sure you have some kind of ways for the people inside your organization to bring their ideas forward um, and, and make sure that every voice is heard because somebody's sitting on something, some kind of genius right. that you as somebody and being receptive of those things, you know, and, and even, you know, in our organization, um, we have a very open forum when our board is meeting and everyone equally knows that you are encouraged. Let's talk about how we can address these things that we're dealing with right now. Um, let's address this next because we have a duffel bag run coming up in October. Let's address it. You know, we want to do better than we did last year. So what is it that we can do differently? And, you know, people are coming up with different ideas for us to you know, approach it in the same way. We hopefully will be able to do the the trunk or treat this year. So that'll be an added thing. Last year, we, because our Mustang Club is out of Monroe, North Carolina, and we have an awesome relationship with the Monroe City Police, we incorporated the city police. You know, they meet us and then they escort us there. So we have this whole police presence that these kids are able to witness and it's not in a negative way. So, you know, being able to interact with these officers on a level where they're just here to support the people that are supporting you, you know, and um, just being able to allow them to see that, I think is huge. Just that that openness. I, I'm, I'm, I should get a shirt with open on it because it just, it, it means so much and, and definitely in so many different ways. Yeah. And, and if you're thinking to yourself, I'm open minded, you, you you probably are. But here's here's the thing that I would just give you as a litmus test is like, how curious are you? Like mm-hmm. one of the signs of openness is curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really a skill to be curious. And, you know, the 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 more you're an adult. OK, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but all of you know already. So, it, you know, here's the thing. It, you know, the older you get, the, the kind of more your neural your neural passageways get locked in and you think a certain way. And so the skill of curiosity is really a great leadership skill. And when you practice it regularly, ask 
asking a lot of questions, thinking about what other options we have. When you're curious, then you know you have that open-mindedness. That's that's the that's the behavior that indicates the character trait of open-mindedness. Well, we have just got a few minutes left, Chandra, but I don't want, you know, there's somebody out there that is also got a servant's heart like you, somebody who also thinks I've I've wanted to even start a 5013C just like Chandra has, um, mm-hmm. gotten the off the ground, what one last piece of advice would you would you give to that special listener that has that servant's heart that wants to serve people? What would you tell them? I would say do it. I would say go forward, move through, move through your fears, move through your questions, do it. When you take that first step, you know, because if you don't, It'll always be in the back of your mind. What if I could have or I should have do it, do it. My mother um, used to tell us all the time that nothing beats a failure but a try. So make that effort, you know, make that attempt. Um, Lynn's Haven is actually named after my mother because she was our safe haven. And that is what I want this organization to be for so many others, their safe haven. Mm, that's awesome. All right. So you heard it straight from Chandra. Do it, people. Do it. All right. So I have been absolutely delighted to have you on the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. Chandra, will you tell everybody how they can reach you? Yes, you can reach me um, directly through Lynn's Haven's website. And that's Lynn's Haven, www.lynn, L-Y-N-N-E-S. Haven, H-A-V-E-N, of hope, H-O-P dot com. Um, or you can reach us through or reach me through Lynn's Haven of hope at gmail.com. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being on the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Ready to up your leadership game? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her unique SHINE method to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Email speaking at vibrantcoaching.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at vibrantcoaching.com slash TED talk.